Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Happy Valentine's Day to you, yours, to all of you out there. Hope it's a very special day this Tuesday, February 14th, the year 2023. It's not too late. Go out and get the whatever it is, the flowers, the candy, the uh, whatever. Get something. Please don't forget. This is a public service announcement on behalf of you and your happiness at home and girls there's nothing wrong with you going out and getting something for your guy there's nothing wrong with that on valentine's day it should be reciprocal so whatever it may be take care of your business my main man james mesh Always takes care of business as he is in the producer's chair inside the game studio, spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons. He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area, you can catch us on television as we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. A critical NBA game uh, with one more game left till the All-Star break with a team clawing up right behind you. The New Orleans Pelicans went on the road to Oklahoma City and beat the Thunder 103-100. to Brandon Ingram. Played 32 minutes, had 34 points. The Pels had five in double figures, including the recent pickup, Josh Richardson, who played 34 minutes and had 10 points, two rebounds, three assists. Jose Alvarado, starting in the place of um, C.J. McCollum, who took the night off, had 14. Jonas Valanciunas had 14. Trey Murphy III had 12. And Ingram, who started off with the first 12 points of the game for the Pels, led the way with 34. So now, one more game against the Lakers, and then it's the All-Star break. The Pels are 30 up, 28 down. They are tied with the Minnesota Timberwolves, but um, ahead of them because of the tiebreaker, currently in the seventh seed, but a half a game out of fifth as they trail the Clippers and the Mavericks by a half a game, one game behind the fourth place Phoenix Suns. You get out there, you get to L.A., you get a big, big game. Um, The Lakers lost again last night. They've lost four They've won four of their last 10, so they've lost six of their last 10. And they're currently third from the bottom in the West at 26 and 32. 
In all likelihood, LeBron James will play in that game so he can play in the All-Star game. So I'm sure the Lakers will be as close to full strength as they can be. But what a win that would be for the Pels to get them into the break in a good frame of mind and go from there. Speaking of a team that needs to be put into a good frame of mind, the LSU men's basketball team is back on the court in Athens, Georgia tonight for a 7.30 tip against the Georgia Bulldogs. For the first time all year, the the Tigers are uh, below 500. They're 12 and 13, 1 and 11 in the SEC. Um, 12 consecutive losses. Does that change tonight? Well, always that possibility. Georgia's not faring much better, although they did manage to defeat Kentucky in their most recent game. Prior to that, they had lost six of their previous seven, including an 82-57 loss to Texas A&M. What do the Tigers do in this one? Matt McMahon's trying everything. Tyrell Ward, fresh off a career-high 15-point game. Fellow freshman Jalen Reed, Sean Phillips, they've had uh, their playing time increased. Why not? You're not going anywhere. You might as well play some guys and see what they can do. Georgia's head coach is Mike White. For years, he was the coach at Florida. Um, And their last win, as I mentioned, was against Kentucky, in which he said that was their best performance of the year. I would think it would would have been. The Bulldogs dominated the boards. They forced nine nine turnovers against Kentucky. They also scored 42 first-half points. We know about the first half in LSU. Ooh, remember against AM, they fell behind 41 to 17 at home. At home. So uh, we shall see. According to Kendall Rogers of D1 Baseball, LSU right headed pitcher Grant Taylor will miss the season with an ulnar collateral ligament elbow injury, a UCL. Um, Man, that hurts. Uh, he, he was projected to be one of the top pitchers for LSU. He had a great summer and fall, was expected to do big things this year. Uh, man, here's the best. Um, uh, wishing him the best and a full recovery. With that in mind, we mentioned the Pelicans. We'll talk with Ali Cassell uh, about the latest on Zion, what he sees out of Josh Richardson after pretty good debut. Uh, to say the very, very least. And then the head baseball coach of LSU, Jake Johnson, will join us at around 2.30 this afternoon. It's it's rare we can get a, a coach of his, you know, at, at a time of day when our show runs that they're normally practicing. But he said he would uh, he would definitely hop on board, and we look forward to that. And then the season starts, and we're not going to bother him during that time of the year. So we're looking forward to Jake Johnson um, and, and see what he can divulge, if anything, about this ball club and all the expectations in the world that are out there um we will talk of course in hour number two it's tuesday so bob rose of the saints news network will join us uh as he does each and every tuesday speaking of nfl work news a couple of items the arizona cardinals have hired jonathan gannon as their head coach he served as the defensive coordinator for the eagles the indianapolis colts hired eagles offensive 
coordinator Shane Steichen to be their head coach in Indy. And Kirby Smart's going to be looking for a new offensive coordinator as the Baltimore Ravens have hired Todd Munkin to be their offensive coordinator. So um, things are moving. Things are changing. And whenever you have success like the Eagles have had, um, you're going to lose some coaches. It's kind of amazing that the Chiefs, that doesn't happen with the Chiefs very often. So we'll see. He was called the NFL's dirtiest player. You know who I'm talking about, right? Conrad Dobler, who played 10 years in the NFL. He played for the Cardinals. He played for the Bills. He also had a cup of coffee with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Conrad Dobler. Died at the age of 72 today, the Arizona Cardinals announced. Um, uh, Monday, rather, the team did not give a cause of death. But uh, he embraced it and loved being called the dirtiest player. He just he just played hard. And uh, so Conrad Dobler, gone at the age of 72. Um the SEC is going to implement some new initiatives and rules for the 2023 baseball season, which are intended to reduce game times and elevate the fan experience. I am all for reducing game times in college baseball. It all comes with the between the batter's clock. Uh, it comes between the mound visit clock, the pitching change clock. It's too long. It's too elaborate to get into, but they're going to put a stopwatch and where there's a certain amount of time you've got and uh, you better adhere to it. So I am all for it. So bring it on. Yes, indeed. The girls' um, basketball playoffs are out. Um, Acadiana well represented uh, in the field with um, Lafayette Christian as the number one seed in the select division two. Um, so, Yes, uh, the Knights are one of 31 Acadiana area teams to qualify for the postseason, 16 in non-select, 15 in select. And my daughter's team has qualified. Uh, they are in the um, uh, select division one. So we shall see. And the playoffs for us begin tomorrow. So looking forward to the opportunity. Can not wait. So we've got um, Ali Cassell talking Pelicans NBA. Head baseball coach Jake Johnson will join us in this hour. Bob Rose of the Saints News Network will join us in hour number two. So there you have it. Uh, we'll take our first timeout of the day, and then we're talking uh, we're talking hoops, NBA style with Ali Cassell. Stay with us. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We're brought to each and every day by ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. There are 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana by Ducks. Cleaning America's air from the inside out. Your dryer vents, your, um, your chimneys, all that. Get it cleaned the right way with Ducks. By Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville, the premier 
touchless, robotic, lazy body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches and provides permanent fat reduction. The laser that does not hurt. The Louisiana lottery. You can't win until you start playing. By DC's little capital Exxon, they've got everything under the sun in their shop, including their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger you've ever tasted. And by Cajun Chef. It's crawfish season. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 16 minutes after the hour, let's talk NBA hoops. The Pels fresh off a 103-100 win over the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, getting out to a great start behind a great first quarter by Brandon Ingram, who led the way with 34 points. I think he got the first 12 points for the Pels. Uh, but Ali Cassell joins us now. I've got a couple of questions for him. Good afternoon, my friend. How are you? Hi, Jordy. Doing a lot better than, say, a couple of weeks ago when they were mired in that 10-game losing streak because they won 4-5. or five. That's right. With one more to go against the Lakers, then a, a much-needed, well-deserved all-star break. Um, okay, a couple of things. Brandon Ingram was um, – <laughs> He was sensational, getting to his spots and knocking down shots. He's, uh, you know, showing he's an all-star caliber player. Absolutely, I loved how he grabbed the reins early. That's something that the Pelicans have missed, right? After Zion went down and Brandon had missed those two months, was uh, the scoring became sporadic, inconsistent, and that's why you could put your pretty much the results of some most of those losses that they had on the offense. So it's nice to see Brandon, who should be leading the offense, being a former all-star and one of the team's two stars, to score and set that pace early. And I'll tell you what, that seemed to pave the way for everybody else, right? Because once Brandon Ingram got going, then Jose Alvarado, Tree Murphy did some things in the first quarter. Second quarter, Jonas Valanciunas and Josh Richardson. How surprising was That's what I was going to ask you. That was my next question. And I'm not – you know, 10 points is 10 points, and that's great. But the fact that in his first game, he comes out and plays 34 minutes. He had, mm-hmm. he had one practice in this system, and he's out there playing 34 minutes. It tells me he has a, a great attention to detail. He has a high basketball IQ, and he gives you some size, some wingspan, and some defense. Right. He uh, didn't know too many of the plays or sets. Willie Green told us after the game, he was directing him out there on the floor, especially in that first half. But you know what? Like you said, that high IQ, it got him in the right spot. And you saw it when he uh, – I, I thought he did a heck of a job early. When Herb Jones picked up that second foul four minutes into the first quarter, I thought, uh-oh, this is going to be trouble. Who's going to guard Shea because Dyson Daniels is on the shelf? Well, I think Josh did more than an admirable job. Finished with five steals and two blocks. But what you loved is he executed the game plan. The Pelicans showed that they wanted to build a wall around Shea, and he was one of the biggest components of it, shooting him away from the rim. Or, you know, they were knocking the ball away from Shea. So he ended up with 24 points and double-digit assists. But for him, that's a below-average game because he's averaging over 30 points this year. Nine players at 20 minutes or more. Kyra Lewis had 19 minutes, but that's a, that's a lot of depth. Um, big elephant in the room. Let's talk about it. What, what's, uh, what are you hearing about 
Zion Williamson, what happened and what's the timetable now? Because after the All-Star break, they got one more game and then you take some time off. Then it's a sprint to the finish line. You got 23 games left in the regular season. And as we've seen, I mean, the, the Pels right now are like a game out of, uh, I mean, it's so tight and so close in the West. I mean, look, they're, they're, in seventh place, a half a game out of fifth, one game out of fourth. Um, and on the flip side, they're half a game out of ninth, um, a game and a half out of 12th. So, I mean, it's crazy. But what's the latest on Zion? Yeah, it's going to be a dogfight these last eight weeks um, for a lot of teams in the Western Conference. But with Zion, about a week ago exactly now, he re-aggravated his hamstring strain. So it sounds like he re-injured that same area which is a little more pop problematic than say he had pulled a different part of his hamstring. Because now you've got to think it's going to take him a little bit longer to get back because all that scar tissue that grew back together, well, mm-hmm. some parts of it or all of it got ripped up again. So, you know, he took six weeks, right, coming back um, when he got hurt on January 2nd to progress to three-on-three. I hate to say, Jordy, I know that the Pelicans said it's going to be weeks after the All-Star break and they're going to give an update shortly after the All-Star break. But I think he's going to miss probably at least six weeks, right? I have a feeling that we probably won't see him until right around the start of April. Hopefully he can get a few regular season games in and then be ready for the playoffs. If if the Pels had known, if they, if they could see in the crystal ball and they would have known, well, I mean, last week was a trade deadline, right? So they basically knew about this. Um, right. and, and, you know, Josh Richardson, fine. But you think if they had their druthers, they'd have gone out and tried to do a little bit more, um, basically to get scoring out on the court. I mean, 103 points last night with Ingram scoring 34. That, that tells me a lot. There's not much firepower out there. Yeah, Jordy, I'll tell you what, I think they kept Zion's injury under wraps through the trade deadline so that they would have a little bit more leverage, you know, in the bargaining and the trade talks. And I know that a lot of teams knew that they were chasing, you know, OJ and Anubi and maybe a few others. But after the trade deadline passed, I discovered that they were chasing some other guys a lot harder, like, say, John Collins in Atlanta. And I'll tell you what, doesn't it make sense? John Collins' best fit is at the four. That's the position Zion Williamson plays. So, it's a shame they couldn't get a deal done because you're right. I just feel like, like I said, you think Zion's going to miss the regular, rest of the regular season and who knows beyond that. So it would behoove them right, to land somebody that can help them now. And since you already had an eye on John Collins, maybe to play in small ball lines, maybe operating as a, a five right next to Zion because he can space the floor. Well, n- n- now in hindsight, I-, I wish they had done it. You're right. I-, I think they probably do too. And they would have, like I said, if the asking price in their mind would have been fair. Ali Cassell at the bird rights with us. The Pels 30 up, 28 down. They're the exact same percentage as the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, just a half a game ahead of the Warriors who are playing without Steph Curry. But, you know, he's coming back pretty darn soon. So, um, man, it's it's a dogfight. Dallas, you know, you, you, you get Kyrie Irving over there. Now he and Luka have played in a game together, but they've lost two in a row. Clippers have lost two in a row. Where are the Pelicans in your mind? I think they're going to be right where we see them. I think they're going to be battling between, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight. I just have a feeling that this team is largely the same as we saw last season, right? The young guys are a little bit more improved. The depth is just a little bit better, but still, 
Brandon Ingram's going to be the leader. CJ, that second man, the Robin. And we saw how that team fared last year after that CJ trade. After about a week or so, they played above 500 ball, say a couple of games over 500 the rest of the way when, you know, all the guys were healthy, right? No Brandon Ingram sitting out. So I expect the same. Um, so therefore, that they're on pace for what? Maybe finishing, say, four, five, six games at best over 500. So yeah. you got to think that's going to be right there for that fifth seed, sixth seed with the way things have gone right through practically three quarters of the season already. Yeah, golly sakes alive. We just cannot stay healthy. Um, is uh, is the Joker, Nikola Jokic, um, your favorite for the MVP award, which would make his third in a row? Is that correct? Yeah, hands down. I've, I've tried to watch as many games as possible. First of all, it's beautiful to watch him play, right? Yeah. I think there's something to him when he plays that I, I still gets overlooked. He puts up the numbers. He's fantastic with the efficiency, right? I mean, I think the other night he made 12 or 14 shots, no turnovers. That's incredible considering how many times he touches the ball. But I love how he just gets everybody involved. That brings the best out of your team on both ends when, like I said, everybody feels like they're playing a part. As for somebody like Joel Embiid, while he's a force, no doubt, one of the biggest, he doesn't get that same kind of involvement from the teammates, and therefore it's just not as pleasing I don't think it leads especially to as many regular season wins. That's why Denver's really been very good, right, in regular seasons the last couple mm-hmm. of years. So it's got to be Jokic. I don't know. It's hard to make a case for anybody that's done better, right? When you look at the numbers, you just look at everything. And look at Denver, 40-18 and 18 in the Western Conference. They're five games ahead of the Grizzlies. I mean, that's a, that's a good case for him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, boy, the East is good. Uh, and, and you look at their, their the best teams in the East. Boston's won four in a row. Milwaukee's won 10 in a row. Philly's won three in a row. Cleveland's won seven in a row. Those four teams have separated themselves from everybody else out there. Brooklyn's going to fall off the face of the earth. Miami's mm-hmm. going to move up a little bit. Maybe the Knicks move up a little bit. But, man, that those top four teams in the East are, man, they're good. Without a doubt. I mean, I, I beginning of the uh, preseason, I picked the Boston Celtics to win it all. And they, would, they look like they're on pace, right? Tatum and Brown are staying healthy. Brown really took a step forward this year. Tatum looked like an MVP candidate early. Still, you know, he does on occasion. But I love their shooting, right? The depth. I mean, that's the best shooting basketball team right now. And that's the biggest thing in the NBA today, right? Being able to make yeah. that outside shot, space the floor for your stars, and they do as good of a job as any. Milwaukee, we just saw them. We saw how unstoppable uh, Giannis can be. And once they get Chris Middleton, I think, up to 30, 34 minutes a game, boy, they're going to be right there, right right behind Boston as a potential candidate to win it all. And you're right, don't write off the 76ers, the Cavaliers, and we just saw Cleveland, Uh Donovan Mitchell, and the Cavs. Boy, they they put a whipping on on the Pelicans the other night. The Pelicans didn't play all that badly, but they just couldn't stop Cleveland anywhere. I mean, they looked like a force, without a doubt. Yeah. That backcourt's something. All right, Lakers coming up. LeBron sat out the last game. Uh, you think he misses another one? Uh, or does he play to get ready for the All-Star game? I think he's going to play. Look, he doesn't sit out against New Orleans. And this is the only game he's really got to get up for and play before he's got, you know, a nice All-Star break. All right. I mean, when you're at the All-Star game, go ahead and, you know, give him 20 minutes. Don't You, you go, what, 25% speed? but. This is the game that they got to get, right? The Lakers have to get every single game down the stretch. I mean, they're trailing, what is it, the 10th place Jazz by, I think it's two or three games or somewhere along those lines. They keep falling further back. If they got any chance, Jordy, he can't keep missing games. They got to start winning. They got to go on a winning streak. 
I'm with you. Ali Cassell at the Bird Rights. Big, big win last night for the Pels. They needed that one in a bad, bad way, and they got it. It's always fun talking with you, man. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the rest of the week, man. Thank you. Absolutely, Jordan. Have a good Mardi Gras. In case yeah, Montal <laughs> Relay, my friend. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. All right, well, that's Ali Cassell. We'll take a timeout. Jay Johnson, the head coach of the number one ranked LSU baseball team, next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Join us for a day of golf and giving at the Game Charity Golf Scramble, benefiting Redbird Ministries, sponsored by Courtesy Brobridge. Hit the links at Farm Day Alley while supporting a great cause. All proceeds from the tournament will go towards Redbird Ministries' mission of serving families who've been giving the extraordinary cross to carry the loss of a child. In addition to 18 holes of golf, the day will include great prizes, food, drink, and a great day with the staff at the game and courtesy Brobrigs. So gather your friends and colleagues for a fun day on the course while making a difference in the lives of those in need. Get your foursome together and register now at 1037thegame.com. Together, we can make a difference. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber for the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your soul go. Just let it shine the hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. 33 minutes after the hour. It's almost time to hear that uh, legendary sound. Play ball as the consensus preseason number one team in the country. The LSU Tigers gets there. Season underway this Friday, starting his second year as the head coach of the Tigers. Jay Johnson, uh, very busy man, but kind enough to spend some time with us today. Jay, thank you for coming on board. Um, how you feeling, man? Ready to go. I think uh, everybody's excited for Friday and get this thing started. Players have done a great job putting in good work and time to play. How do you, how are you personally feeling now today as compared to what you felt a year ago at this time? And I'm talking about getting a feel for what LSU baseball is all about, trying to get your foundation built. How, how, how are you one year later? Yeah, I think settled probably a little more than um, that just comes with time. I think everybody's a little more settled. I think the players knowing – my expectations of them, uh, the coaching staff's expectations of them. And you spend that first year, you know, introducing everything. Mm-hmm. And now we're working in a way that, you know, this is all these guys know. And uh, it's been good. Really excited, obviously, about the talent. But uh, very excited about the work that the players have put in and they're prepared to play. Skip Burton retired in 2001 with a whole bunch of championships. LSU's won just one championship since then, and now everybody's got the the target on your back. What has been your message? I mean, you can't underestimate. You can't downplay. I mean, these kids are smart. They read everything. Everybody's telling them everything. What has been your message to this team? Because it's a long, long season. 
Yeah, I mean, in baseball, it's a little different. In football and basketball, I think the talented team more often than not wins. In baseball, it's the team that plays the best that day because the pitcher has so much to do with it. So focus on the play. And then really as far as all the hype and all that or whatnot, just like we're going to run towards the fight and start throwing punches. And um, I'm very confident in the competitive character of the team and the ability of the team. So uh, won't be perfect. Won't be uh, bulletproof, but we're going. We're running into the into the deal and start throwing haymakers. Always said LSU's always going to have hitting. Um, uh, the thing that I think that's always been the question mark is pitching and defense. And unfortunately, um, according to reports, you've lost sophomore pitcher Grant Taylor for the season with a torn UCL. Man, I hate to hear that. Golly sakes alive, because I know the kid has put in so much work, and that just, man, that's tough. Yeah, it's a thunderbolt. feel bad for Grant. He certainly had put himself in position to be one of the best pitchers on our staff, one of the best pitchers in college baseball. Uh, Injuries are part of the game, you know, especially from the pitching standpoint. So, uh, feel bad for him. We'll be happy to have him back in 2024. Yeah. And in the meantime, uh, we got other guys that have to step up. And there's a number of guys that can get the job done. And uh, we look forward to to them getting their opportunity. And uh, that's, that's awesome. how that that's how this thing goes. Here we are, a couple of days before you start the season. Um, are there any position groups still unsettled or are you, I'm not going to ask you for your lineup. I know you got time to address that later on. Uh, but as far as your lineup, is everything in stone now, or is there still some, some question marks out there? Well, I think it's, it's not so much question marks because I have a lot of faith in a number of guys to do the job. Okay. But okay. I feel like I'd be undermining the talent of our team. If we didn't spend some time kind of sorting out, how the pieces best fit together. Now we won't do that in the context of not jeopardizing winning a game or anything mm-hmm. like that. But there's just there's more than one guy that can get the job done at about four or five spots. I think you know some of the staples will be Trey Morgan will play first, Jordan Thompson will play short, Tommy White will play third, Dylan Cruz will play center field. I think uh, second base catching left field, right field, DH. There's just a number of ways that we can go, and we feel good about a number of guys contributing. And they all know that. They know they're going to get chances. And, um, you know, we just need them to be a good player that day that they're in there and then support their teammate the day that he's in there. So yeah. we're working through that, I, but uh, certainly excited about the rest of those pieces, um, how they're going to come together. I always look at it, Coach, as, uh, as a glass half full. That means you've got depth and you've got a lot of talent, and you want to give these these kids the opportunity to play and show what they can do. So I always look at it that way, and particularly the catching spot. Man, you got a lot of guys that can play back there. Yeah, for sure. I think so, and uh, that's an important role on any baseball team, but it's certainly an important role on this baseball team because we have significantly improved the pitching staff, and so your catcher becomes all the more important and uh, feel like we have a number of guys that can make a contribution and excited to get them out there and, and see who kind of fits best on, on certain days or with certain pitchers and in certain lineups. And all that will be taken into consideration. 
Jake Johnson, LSU baseball coach. Tigers get underway this Friday. Uh, everybody knows about Dylan Cruz and what he does. you got a big decision to make. Do you lead him off or do you put him in the three <laughs> or four hole with people on, on, on base where he can drive runs in? How do you, how do you decide on something like that? Well, I think when I think about Dylan and placing Dylan in the lineup, there's two things you have to consider. Number one, you're right. You want to get him to come up with as many guys on base throughout the course of the game as possible. That's number one. Number two is you certainly don't want him in the on-deck circle when you're tied or behind in the ninth inning. And so where you slot him with that becomes really, really important. And so we've tried a couple different things here in the preseason and I feel like uh, the good thing is this year that the bottom of the order uh, has a chance to be pretty close to the top of the order. And so might give us some flexibility to hit him a little higher. Um, But ultimately, he'll probably settle in with with somewhere with two very good on-base guys hitting right in front of him. Yeah. Good, it's a good thing to have. Uh, we all know about what Trey Morgan's done, what Cruz has done. Tommy White comes in here with all the uh, all the statistics that you need. Give, is there a name out there of a player that's pleasantly surprised you that you didn't think, wait a minute, he's he's a lot better. He's really worked hard, and look how good he is now. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of things maybe that come to mind. I think Jordan Thompson's improvement as a shortstop has been – remarkable uh, the amount of work that he's put in that we've put in uh has been it's been a lot and he's uh defending at an incredibly high level we played 33 scrimmages uh from october till last night and he made two errors in 33 scrimmages so that's wow. pretty i'll take as good that as coach. you could do at, at that position yeah. um really proud of him i think the other thing that really stands out is the talent of the freshman class, I think, obviously, you know, I look at Dylan Cruz as a once-in-a-lifetime player, but we're about as best prepared to replace him as we possibly could be in 2024 with the young players we have in our program. And I think that's really stood out and really excited about this freshman class, you know, position players and on the mound. Uh, you're number one across everybody's mind, but as you well know, this SEC is loaded. I think they got seven teams in the top ten. It's just absolutely ridiculous. You got to have great pitching. Are you confident that you have the depth and the quality of starters um, to to keep you in every game this year? I do. Uh, people have asked me like what I see is the big difference. And I just think with some of the options we have, the ability to match up, I can't see us being out of many games because there's so many different ways we can go about it. And, you know, for the first weekend, we're going to kind of set it up maybe a little differently than people might think because of the flexibility that we have. And Mm -hmm. I think we'll settle into a rotation, you know, so at some point during the season, but uh, really like the ability to set it up. So, you know, we keep teams off balance, uh, give them different looks, yeah, uh, solidify the bullpen, match up, you know, when matchups are called for, and really excited about where we're at as a pitching staff right now. Jay, are you a coach that believes in having a one 
closer or are you a coach that believes, like you said, depending upon the matchups and all this stuff, have a multitude of options there? Or do you want that one guy, uh, you know, you, you hand it to him and say, okay, here's the ninth inning, go close it out. I think if you have that guy, um, it's good. But uh, the best teams I've had usually have two guys that you can okay. use in that role because, you know, if you're playing the best teams, all the games are going to be close. And right. it becomes really difficult for the same guy to pitch Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Through so you usually yep. need to, usually need to. And then matchups and where we're at in the lineup, uh, having two guys that are a little bit different. I think is good too. So you're not pigeonholed into, uh, you know, one team being able to expose your guys. So we'll see how it goes. There's a number of ways that could go uh, for us this year. You get a, a new full-time paid coach. Now, if we can just get the scholarships up uh, numbers up a little bit as well, they should then baseball. Now we're rolling, right coach? Yeah. I mean, you look at a place and coach in a place like LSU, you feel like, you should have all kinds of scholarship money because the <laughs> the money our program brings in. But I look at, you know, program over there at Louisiana Lafayette and Coach Diggs, and they got a great home environment. It would just be better for everybody and the players and their families if we were a headcount sport like basketball and football. So hopefully someday that will happen. It's going to happen. It's got to happen. How have you kept your weight down, man? I thought you, you know, I thought you were going to put on the fi- the first year 15 like all the college kids do. I definitely did that and uh, <laughs> had to get my act together uh, over this Thanksgiving Christmas break the, when we're not allowed to be on the field with the players. And, uh, you know, I still have to get in a baseball uniform. So us, uh, <laughs> us smaller guys, we can get big in a hurry if we don't watch it. You can really get big in a hurry in Louisiana with all the good food around here. Yeah. Well, I, I know you can sense it in the air. Uh, there's a lot of talk, a lot of excitement. We all cannot wait to see you roll this team out. And all I can say is it's a long season, so I just hope you keep healthy. Uh, there's no question you have the talent there. And you just got to stay healthy and have some good fortune down the road. Uh, the league is, is a monster, as it always is, but uh, you're well-equipped for all that's there. And I, I just I wish you the best of luck to you, your staff, your players, uh, the fans will be there. You know that. So uh, good luck and have fun on Friday. You don't get nervous anymore, do you? Uh, I always get excited. I mean, opening day is always pretty special. And if I'm not excited or a little bit nervous, it might not be time to coach anymore. But we'll That's get right. it right, get it rolling. I think at, at the box, you know, every game feels like super regional and some of them feel like Omaha. So we're excited <laughs> for that for uh, Friday and looking forward to our team settling into the season and going for it. That's awesome. Thank you for your time. Best best of luck, Coach. You have, Jordy. See you. All right. You take care. That's Jake Johnson, the head baseball coach of the LSU Tigers. Number one uh, with a reason. Uh, Trey Morgan's going to be at first base. Josh Pearson. Let's see. Uh, Jordan Thompson at short. Jack Merrifield at second. Tommy White at third. The outfield will probably be Josh Pearson in right. Dylan Cruz in center. Um uh left field oh gosh paxton cling um maybe alex malazzo behind the plate um brayden joe bear dh'ing and paul Skeen's getting the ball on a friday i would think they've got hitting they've got everything you need to get to omaha just got to stay healthy 
um, and got to come up with you got to come up with a pitching staff that you can rely on that understands their role, and that's why you play in all these games before you get to conference, um, and and you figure it out and you move, you manipulate. Somebody gets hot, somebody gets not. But I think this is their deepest deepest pitching staff. I hate to see them uh, lose um, uh, Taylor. That, that's a blow. But if, if, I guess if you have to do it, I guess now's the best time, unfortunately, um, because now you move on. You move on. So looking forward to that. I will take a timeout. We'll close out our number one next. Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Hoss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, welcome back as we um, commence to wrap up our number one in honor of the fact that LSU's basketball team is in Athens, Georgia to take on the Bulldogs tonight. I thought this would be an opportunity for a little Jordy story time. Um, back in the day when I was playing for LSU, we would uh, we traveled over to Athens. Um, Athens, uh, Georgia had a guy by the name of Dominique Wilkins playing for them. And... Um, we go to practice the night before the game. We would fly in on the old uh, Tiger flight, a DC-9 with the prop plane, you know, hugging the, hugging the tree lines because that's just the way it went. We were fortunate, glad we had a plane, but it was, uh, boy, it, you felt every bump, every bounce. So we're coming off the floor to go walk to our bus and up, the ramp comes this El Dorado Cadillac, bright red with a black top. I'm like, man, look at that ride. Car stops, door opens, and it's Dominique Wilkins. And I went, hmm, oh, that's awesome. So I went up to Dominique. I said, man, Neek, I love your car. He goes, man, thank you, man. I like it too. I said, man, that's that got to be the best car on campus. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. Not by by any stretch of the imagination. He said, you got to go see what Herschel Walker's driving. And he's got two of them. I went, oh, okay. So football in Georgia, they got the, you know, he got the Mercedes and the Porsche and Dominique got the Cadillac. So they were well taken care. I'm just saying, I'm not saying it was given to him, but somehow Dominique went, left the state of North Carolina where basketball is king, and he went to play at the University of Georgia with head coach Hugh Durham, and the whole family moved to Ad. I'm just saying, you can read between the tea leaves. So we play the next day, and um, for some rhyme or reason, we switched on a screen, and I'm out there guarding Dominique. And um, he picks up his dribble. So I get on, just imagine like a piece of tape and you're putting it on the wall. And I am right there, chest to chest with him. And the officials count thousand one, thousand two. And all of a sudden, Dominique just elevated. I elevated with him. I'm coming down 
and Dominique still going up. And he hit about a 25-footer. And my coach, Dale Brown, started screaming at me, screaming at me. And I looked at him, and he just started to laugh. He goes, you're right. Can't do anything about it. Um, that's when I knew this guy was pretty darn good. He ended up being the 15th all-time leading scorer in NBA history with 26,668 points. Kevin Durant just passed him. He's behind Oscar Robertson and Akeem Olajuwon. He's ahead of Tim Duncan and Paul Pierce and John Hondo Havlicek, amongst many others. So um, Dominique Wilkins, that El Dorado Cadillac, but not what Herschel Walker was driving by any stretch of the imagination. A little story time. That's why they called him. They didn't call him the human highlight film until he got to the NBA. But you saw that dunk contest between Michael Jordan and Dominique Wilkins, still the best of all time. You saw the elevation that Neek had, and it was breathtaking. Coming up, hour number two, Bob Rose of the Saints News Network will join us. We'll talk about what do the Saints' chances of getting Derek Carr, and where do we go from there if he decides to go somewhere else. It's all coming your way. Hour number two, the Jordy Helper Show here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Live and local, this is the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go. My main man, James Mesh, in the producer's chair, spinning the tunes, pushing off the buttons. He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're on 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming everywhere, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can pop on the television set because we are also simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline, 337-706-0111. That's 706-0111. How much do we love football? Well, according to reports, Super Bowl 57 was among the most watched television shows ever, ever. Rihanna's halftime show was the second most watched Super Bowl halftime show on record. About 113 million people tuned in to watch the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Philadelphia Eagles in Super Bowl 57, which made it the most watched Super Bowl in six years. The game was the most streamed Super Bowl, too, up about 18% from last year's game and 103% from the Super Bowl in 2020. It just gets bigger. The game was also the third most watched television show ever. So I should have done the research. What was the first most watched? Um, I don't know. Was it the last showing of friends was it the last showing of a mash what was it i don't know but um 
we do love football. And now football is over, but the combine's coming up, and you've got the XFL this weekend. Okay. Whatever. We'll see. We'll see. Now it's time to focus on some college hoops, right? LSU is uh, not in that mix for the NCAA tournament by any stretch of the imagination, but they'll try and get a win on the road in Athens tonight. They're 12 and 13 overall, a painful one and 11 in the SEC. Uh, They'll play tonight at 730 against the Georgia Bulldogs. And of course, since we are your home for LSU sports, you can listen to the game. Uh, pre-game begins at 6.30. The tip is scheduled for 7 p.m. So you can listen in right here and right now. Hopefully they can have some uh, success. The New Orleans Pelicans had a successful night last night, beating the Oklahoma City Thunder 103-100. to Brandon Ingram had 34 points in 32 minutes. Josh Richardson, the newly acquired Pelican, who they got in the trade deadline, um, played 34 minutes, had 10 points, a couple of rebounds, a couple of assists. Uh, he brings length. He brings a high basketball IQ, and that's a good thing. The Pels are now 30-28 and 28 overall. They're in the seventh seed in the Western Conference. They have one more game against the L.A. Lakers before the All-Star break, and then when they get off the All-Star break, It's a sprint to the finish line. It's a 23-game regular season. And at worst, you want to finish in the top 10. Right now, they're at number seven. At best, you'd like to to finish in the top six. Ideally, you'd like to be in the top four. And it's certainly doable. Pelicans are just one game out of fourth place, currently held by the Phoenix Suns. But, oh, by the way, Phoenix is getting that guy named Kevin Durant to play with Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And I got to believe that they're going to get a little bit better. The Dallas Mavericks with Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic. They played their first game together last night, albeit in a loss. But you got to believe they're going to be better. What about the Clippers? Clippers are a half a game ahead of the Pels. They're in the sixth seed. Maybe that's the team you can leapfrog. Maybe Sacramento comes back down to earth. I don't know. We shall see. We shall see. So the NBA is uh, heating up. We'll talk about all of this with Bob Rose of the Saints News Network, but a couple of coaching notes in the NFL. When you got a good team, you end up losing some of your coaches. The Arizona Cardinals have hired Jonathan Gannon, as their head coach. He served as the defensive coordinator for the Eagles. The Eagles offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen, has been named the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. And Kirby Smart now has to find a new offensive coordinator because Todd Munkin has been hired by the Baltimore Ravens. Munkin did a great job uh, coaching, you know, calling the plays for Georgia and helping them win back-to-back national champions championships. So uh, Munkin was announced today as the new offensive coordinator for the Ravens, succeeding Greg Roman. Munkin will also serve as the Ravens' quarterback coach. Now, what that does for Lamar Jackson, um, time will tell. 
time will tell. So uh, Baltimore, um, well, Georgia went from a plotting conservative style to a more diverse and innovative approach. Um, and their, their offense improved dramatically, dramatically in a couple of years. So Munkin very highly thought of, uh, and the Baltimore Ravens have got it going. According to head coach John Harbaugh, we conducted 21 interviews with 14 candidates throughout a thorough process that had wide-ranging organizational envi- involvement. Todd's leadership and coaching acumen were evident from the beginning. He has a proven track record for designing and teaching offensive systems that allow players to succeed at the highest level. He is very well thought of, so he is now in charge at 57 years old of the Baltimore Ravens. He's had three previous stints in the NFL, Jacksonville, Tampa Bay, Cleveland. He served as a, as an offensive coach for LSU back in the day. So um, Todd Munkin getting, getting that job with Baltimore. Now, what does Kirby Smart do? Does he hire from within? Does he go outside and find somebody else? They got enough money. Oh, no. They announced that Mike Bobo has been promoted to offensive coordinator after working as an analyst in 2022. Bobo's a former Georgia quarterback who worked on Mark Rick's staff from 2001 to 2014, first as quarterback's coach and then as offensive coordinator. He had a five-year run as Colorado State's head coach before being fired following the 2019 season. From there, he was the offensive coordinator at South Carolina. Boom, got rid of that. Offensive coordinator at Auburn. Boom, now he's back in the offensive coordinator chair in Athens. So a lot of experience, but a lot of pressure to see if he can uh, live up to what Todd Munkin has done. There you go. Um, High school basketball playoffs for girls have been announced. They'll get underway this week. And Acadiana is well represented in both select and non-select. A total of 31 Acadiana area teams Qualified for the postseason, 16 in non-select, 15 in select, uh, and good luck to all of them as um, top eight seeds get buys and the rest fight and play. And uh, we'll see who can cut down the nets at the end of the run. But uh, congratulations! Look, it's a it's quite an act, quite an honor to make it into the playoffs. Everybody should sit back and enjoy it and relax and have some fun with it. And uh, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. So it should be fun. Um, LSU softball has um, gotten off to a great start. They are 5-0, and and they swept um, the LSU Invitational and uh, had no problems with it. So the biggest struggle was um, against Nichols. They won 4-3. to LSU is now 5-0 and on the weekend, and... Uh, they got some good players, and you know UL is going to be good as well in softball and in baseball. Just this state is just that good, to say the very, very, very least. Um, but uh, Taylor Pleasant stood out amongst all the LSU softball players. A junior infielder was named the SEC Co-Player of the Week. She, uh, a native of Houston, batted five thirty-three. Registered a 1.400 slugging percentage, 
She had a team-high 13 ribbies, eight hits, four home runs, and scored nine runs. Kim Mulkey's LSU women's basketball team fell from number three to number five after their 24-point loss to top-ranked South Carolina. Uh, lessons to be learned, and um, that'll make them better. And losing by 24 on the road to drop to only five, not bad, not bad at all. All. So if you missed our number one, you missed our interview with LSU head baseball coach Jake Johnson. They get ready for their season opener on Friday. You can always go back to 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. Go to the on-demand section and you can listen to that. He was very um, straightforward, um, just very open. I love baseball coaches. Football coaches don't tell you anything. Basketball coaches are even worse. Uh, and I love them, love them. I love Matt McMahon, but baseball, they just, it's a different, it's a different feel. It just is. So anyway, you can go back and listen to that. Um, the uh, unanimous number one team in the country. The problem is there are about seven teams in the top 10 uh, from the SEC and LSU plays them all. So they're going to have hitting. Can they develop that three-man rotation on the weekend? And what what does their bullpen look like? And do they have some closers in that bullpen? And that if they find that, they've got everything you need to get to Omaha and win it all in Omaha. So we appreciate Coach Johnson joining us. Uh, Bob Rose, Saints News Network, all things NFL. When we return after this first timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We're brought to you each and every day by ShopRite, Tobacco Plus discount outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. By Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches and provides permanent fat reduction. By the Louisiana Lottery, you can't win until you start playing. By DC's Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger your mouth has ever tasted. By the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinics of Louisiana, get back in the game with hormone replacement therapy. And by Cajun Chef. Oh, it's crawfish season. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef Hot Sauce. It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, Bob, I know you took care of your business today on Valentine's Day. I know you did. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon to you, sir, and happy Valentine's Day to you and to everyone out there. Uh, my wife and I celebrated Valentine's Day with a special date and dinner night on Saturday night. Uh, today, we just relaxed and enjoyed each other's company. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. Okay. You're still newlyweds as far as I'm concerned. So. Oh, yeah. So that's awesome. All right. Um, about 113 people watched that Super Bowl 57. What, uh, what's your takeaway from that thing? You know what? It was a good game between two very good teams. Uh, you know, it was a shame 
the the game came down to officiating like it did. Yeah. Uh, yeah and yeah, even I'm just as upset about the uh, you know, the the catch uh, by Devonte Smith at the end of the first half uh, that was reversed. To me, that's that's a catch. In yep. the rest of the world, just not Goodell world, uh, and that uh, that could have made a heap of a difference in the game too, headed down the stretch. Uh, but yeah, you know, congratulations to both the Eagles and the Chiefs for a terrific season. Uh, you know, it was it, it's nice to see. You know, you you and I grew up in eras where Super Bowls were often blowouts and over by halftime. Uh, you know, so it is nice to see us get competitive Super Bowls more often than not on a yearly basis now. Uh, yeah, and listen, I yeah, Philadelphia has some free agent decisions to make, but I think that that's a team here to stay. You know what my biggest takeaway was? Man, our New Orleans Saints are light yeah. years away from competing against yeah. those types of teams. I mean, light years away, Bob. Agree, disagree? No, it sure feels like it. And, yeah, I, I'll tell you, Jordy, I, I'm going to uh, probably tomorrow, but perhaps as late as Thursday, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to publish an article through the Saints News Network outlining exactly that. Uh, yeah, and you know, the, the six things that I, I took away from this game comparing these two teams to our New Orleans Saints. The Saints don't have a quarter, an elite quarterback, nope. not a two-way threat at quarterback. Uh, you know, now the Saints can and have generated pressure with their defensive line, and that was something that Philadelphia and Kansas City did all year long. But the Saints didn't do it as well this year. Uh, <laughs> tight ends. I mean, there's none better than Travis Kelsey. Uh, you know, Dallas Goddard, if he isn't, you know, if he isn't second, he's, he's a close third. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that Jawan Johnson is that I love Jawan Johnson, but I don't know if he's that type of player. Both of these teams had extremely deep core of pass catchers. Uh, you know, you know, Philadelphia had the star power at wide receiver, but Kansas city, you know, Mahomes has targets coming from everywhere Yep. outside of Olave and previously mentioned Jawan Johnson and, uh, yeah, the developing Rashid Shaheed. The Saints are, have been very limited in their passing attack for really the last few years. Both of these teams, Kansas City and Philadelphia, made excellent in-game adjustments all year long. I think that that was the key to a Kansas City victory in the Super Bowl. And, and this is for the Dennis Allen haters. Ten of the last 12 Super Bowl teams have had often, you know, former offensive assistants as head coaches. Only Bill Belichick two times is the outlayer. All eight of the last eight uh, uh, past uh, conference title participants offensive assistants as head coaches hmm. so maybe dennis you know, if dennis hmm. allen is going to stay as the head coach they've got to bring in an, a, a guy to revamp that offense uh on yeah. the coaching staff they sure looked a lot more creative in yep. their approach to things than what i saw with the saints who looked very moribund and very predictable throughout mm -hmm. the year you better believe it. And especially on third downs and in key situations. And yeah, you and I would be moan every single week, especially after a loss at how poor this new Orleans saints team was at adjusting to what opponents were doing to them on either side of the ball game in and game out all year. I mean that, yeah, it, that was the biggest negative takeaway for me to the new Orleans saints season. The lat, yeah, this is a veteran coaching staff and the, and a veteran team, but they're, just such a poor ability to make in-game adjust successful in-game adjustments to what opponents were doing. That's why, you know, the, that, that's why the saints finished seven and 10 above all else. 
My bros, St. Sue's Network. Okay, Derek Carr says, nope, you're not going to trade me. I'm going to wait. You're going to have to release me, cut me, and then I'm a free agent. That scares me. I'm not saying Derek Carr is the answer. They all be all, take all, because if he were, uh, Vegas wouldn't let, let him go. Wouldn't let him go. Um, so you have to understand, take it with a grain of salt, but whatever else is out there, he's probably the best of it. Why do I have this feeling that he is not interested in New Orleans? Why do I, I guess I have that gut feeling? I don't know why. <sighs> Jordy, there's some ties there, as you know, between you know, Derek Carr and Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen is the guy that drafted Derek, right. and they remain close to this day. And I think we can take it as a good sign that, De uh, that Derek met with Saints officials uh, you know, for two days. It was only supposed to be originally one. The thing that scares me about this, though, and why I'll agree with you is this. Derek informed the Raiders and the Saints that he would not waive his no trade clause over the weekend, as you know. Uh, because of that, that doesn't leave the Saints out of the running by any stretch of the imagination, but it does leave the Saints, in my opinion, holding the short end of the stick if there's a bidding war for Derek Carr. And like you just pointed out, there's not a whole lot. I, I like Jimmy Garoppolo, but Carr is a much more durable version of Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, you know, and outside of that, unless you believe Aaron Rodgers is going to get traded out of Green Bay, there's nobody that even compares to these guys. So you know, if somebody that needs a quarterback and is willing to go after a veteran such as Carr begins a bidding war, the Saints just cannot compete. And that's what worries me in this situation. <sighs> all it takes is a decent quarterback and you win the division and you're in the playoffs and you get a lucky bounce here and there and you move on. I mean, it's, it's there for the taking, but I wonder, I really do. I think call me crazy. Won't be the first, won't be the last, but so much of this is tied down to what the heck's going on with Michael Thomas. If I'm a quarterback, I look at the saints receiver core and all that. And I'm like, this doesn't float my boat. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. It just doesn't. Look at Philly. Look at Kansas City. Look at look at uh, Cincinnati. Look at these other teams. And y'all got nothing. Alavi's okay, but he's not scaring me. And Michael Thomas is the go-to guy, but is he ever going to play again? Yeah, and that's yeah, that's the key. And like you said, we just got done talking about the yeah, the deep receiving cores of both Philadelphia, Kansas City, and you mentioned a few other notable teams. Uh, yeah, if if I'm a quarterback, I'm looking at this Saints receiver, and uh, yeah, Alave's a player. There's no doubt. Rashid Shahid has some intriguing abilities, but at the end of the day, he's still a second year undrafted guy. You add Michael Thomas into this receiving core, and uh, you know somebody. You know, uh, uh, you know, log Pete Carmichael upside the head so he remembers <laughs> that Alvin Kamara is a pretty good, uh, pretty darn good receiver. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, that changes everything. But I think that it's safe to say that at the beginning of the new league year on March 15th, that Michael Thomas is not going to be a New Orleans Saint. So who, if that is going to be the case, whoever the Saints meet with, whether it's Carr, Garoppolo, you know, if you're a Geno Smith guy, whomever, you better have some answers for those guys uh, you know, as far as how you're going to give them weapons on the football field to succeed. And you know, right now, the Saints that we know of, they don't have answers to those questions. Did I read something from the Saints News Network that possibly the Saints would be interested in a Baker Mayfield? Did I read that or am I dreaming that? Yeah, it's from some crazy writer over there. Who is, uh, who is that buffoon and what is uh, he thinking? 
<laughs> but I'll tell you, thank you for not going on Facebook and calling me names like some other people were doing. <laughs> no, would never uh, do that. Uh, listen, I pulled the we we the the network pulled the report directly from Sports Illustrators yeah. at, at Albert Breer. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Albert, as you know, has been around a long, long time. Right. Uh, you know, he wasn't, nor was I, naming any uh, specific sources. But again, just like you and I were talking about, if if it's not Derek Carr for the New Orleans Saints, who's it going to be? Maybe Garoppolo, but Baker Mayfield is going to be another free agent name floating out there. I highly doubt after the last couple of years where Baker has struggled, he's going to be commanding big, big money on the free agent market. So, no, it would not at all surprise me if the Saints at least sat Baker Mayfield down for a meeting. I'm not saying it's going to happen. Right. I personally am not an advocate for it. There's about four or five options I would take before Baker Mayfield. Uh, you know, if I'm a New Orleans Saints coach or general manager, but folks, I, I fully, unless a, unless a free agent deal can be reached with Carr before the beginning of free agency. And since he was released, it can be uh, March 15th is the first official day where you can sign free agents. If the New Orleans Saints do not have a Derek Carr in their building by then, then you better believe that this franchise is going to at least sit down and meet with Baker Mayfield. Is it Bob a, basically a matter of perception that the Saints can't start Andy Dalton at quarterback that will send a, a message to Saints fans everywhere that we, we've mailed this season in no offense to Andy Dalton he played some good games but that's just the perception that I gather that if he's a starting quarterback next year oh, we've mailed it in and I'll tell you I I don't remember seeing a large such a large portion of Saints fans already given up on the 2023 season just because of who's on the sideline and you know who's currently on the roster so yeah it, it might send that message and the thing I'd be even more concerned about what kind of message is that sending to your veteran players to you know to guys like Cam Jordan to Mario Davis even your Camaras and Ramchecks uh you know the the end of their career is probably closer than the beginning and you start a guy who was very limited for you last year, what kind of message is management sending to those guys if they go into this season content with Andy Dalton returning as the core, as the quarterback? All right. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Where do we go from here? That's what we will discuss after this timeout as we continue the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. Stay with us. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Delta Media is looking for self-motivated and hardworking individuals to join the team. Delta Media is currently hiring a human resources manager to manage the HR department, hire, interview, administer pay, benefits, and more. In addition, we're looking to add an account executive. Training is available. If you're interested, send your resume to Jay Cochran, J-C-O-C-H-R-A-N, at deltamediacorp.com. Delta Media Corp is an equal opportunity employer. The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. You simply the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, 
the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Part two of the Black and Gold Report with Saints News Network's finest, Bob Rose. So, Bob, I'm not feeling good about this Derek Carr situation. (laughs) Um, So where in the heck do the Saints go? Where do they go from here? Do they draft a quarterback and throw that rookie to the wolves? Do they keep Andy Dalton and have the fan base put bags on their heads again? Do they, what, what do they do? Uh, I'll tell you, Jordy, I'm not sure they know. Uh, drafting a quarterback is certainly an option. Even at number 29, uh, you, know, you probably don't have enough ammunition to move up and get the big three, uh, you know, uh, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, or Will Levis. Uh, and, and I'm including uh, Florida's Anthony Richardson in that, too, because I think he's going to be overdrafted. Um, but you might be in position to draft a Hendon Hooker from Tennessee, uh, you, who I'm a, I'm a huge fan of. Or maybe a Tanner McKee from, uh, you know, from Stanford. Uh, you know, if you believe he's the guy, maybe you take a little bit of a reach on him. If that's what they do then keeping an Andy Dalton around or bringing an old friend back like Teddy Bridgewater or a guy like uh, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Jacoby Brissett, bringing in a bridge starter like that would not be a bad move uh, You know, a- a- until you feel like your rookie is ready to play or even once he is, uh, you, know, you still have some you know, veteran stability behind him. Uh, and I think we're going to know where the Saints head. And I know we're going to know where the Saints head is very, very early on in free agency. I mean, not only with Derek Carr, we mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, you know, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones are two other guys that could hit the market if the Giants, Seahawks and Giants don't reach quick agreements with them. If the Saints go after and land a guy like Carr, Garoppolo, Geno, Daniel Jones. That tells you that they feel, whether we agree or not, that tells you that they feel that's going to be their quarterback for the foreseeable future, and they're going to go a different direction. But those guys are going to be off the market fairly quickly. So if they don't get any of them or don't pursue any of them really hard, then I think the draft focus comes a little bit more into play now. Take a pick. Who who would you think would be better suited for the Saints, Derek Carr or Jimmy Garoppolo? I like them both. I won't lie. Uh, I, as a player, Jordy, I like Garoppolo a little bit better. I do but too. That, he, uh, right, but that durability or lack thereof for Garoppolo yeah. really sticks out to me. The Saints have had enough injury problems on their True. roster the last few years, True. and the fact that Derek Carr has only missed two games because of injury in his nine-year career really sticks out to me. And I really don't think, yeah, if you're a Garoppolo, and, and I am a Garoppolo guy, but I don't see a big, big difference talent-wise between Garoppolo and Derek Carr. I think that the you know, the Saints could have a successful offense with both in the lineup. Garoppolo's more breeze-like than Derek mm-hmm. Carr. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not putting him in the same stratosphere, but accuracy, getting rid of the ball quickly, that that works for me. Um, but I agree, the durability is a problem. Um, and that's the other thing, man. Those offensive lines, the Saints look like they are stuck in quicksand. They they got to they, man they got so many things they need. It just looks like they are light years away from the upper echelon of teams now. It just and I and going into last year I thought, man, we were right there. I thought we were a 
high playoff contending team. But Cam Jordan and Demario Davis both came out and said, we lost a little bit of our juice when Sean Payton left the building. That says a lot, man. Yeah, it does. Not only about Coach Payton and Coach Allen, but also about the players themselves. Uh, yeah, that tells me that they need to be better self-motivators. Uh, yeah, because these these guys are professionals. You know, you're not talking about high school kids no. uh, you know, where a, you know, a, a motivational coach will make one heck of a difference. Uh, you know, you're talking about guys that have been in this league a while, uh, especially in Cam and Demario's and uh, Tyron Matthews case. Um yeah, have been stars for a long time. They're going to have to step up their leadership in this locker room. I think after one season of Dennis Allen, you know what you're going to get with him on the sidelines, and it isn't going to be Sean Payton. It's going to be a completely different personality. So whoever is going to be on this team has to take that and adjust to it as they see fit. You mentioned Hendon Hooker. Had an unbelievable season before getting hurt and led Tennessee, I mean – until they played Georgia. Uh, what a great season. Does he remind you of anybody? Uh, a little. He reminds me of the way, a little bit of the way Jalen Hurts played this past year. Uh, yeah, and, and I specified this past year because, and I've said over and over again, you know, Hurts was a running quarterback before this year. Mm-hmm. This year he became a legitimate two-way, two-threat, dual threat quarterback because he just remade himself as a passer. You saw a difference in his decision making, uh, you know, in his ability to process defenses, in his ability to uh, you know, to make in-game adjustments or sometimes adjustments on the fly. Those pre-snap reads are such key. Hendon Hooker has that kind of football mind. He has very, very good mechanics, uh, you know, just like Jalen Hurts. Uh, you know, Hendon is a big, strong kid. Uh, you know, they the can make plays with his legs. He has the speed to outrun a lot of defenders, but the strength to bowl them over uh, you know, if they aren't secure tacklers. Uh, you know, I, I actually think Hendon Hooker is a much more polished passer at this stage of his career uh, you know, than Jalen Hurts was at that stage of the, uh, uh, comparing them similarly. Okay. Uh, we've talked and talked and talked about what the saints need wide receiver depth, tight end, uh, running back. Um, you can't have enough cornerbacks in this thing. Um, boy, they've got to strike. They, they've got to have one of those drafts like they had with Ramchek Camara. If they want to keep this thing, that's a lot of pressure on Jeff Ireland and those scouts, but they got to strike it. They got to have three or four guys that can come in and play right away. I believe to improve this roster. Oh yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, you know, and even though they're sitting a little bit shy of sixty million over the salary cap, we know that Loomis can work uh, wonders with that. Uh, you know, he, he's a salary cap magician. If they spot somebody in free agency that they want to sign, but having said that, you have to assume that the Saints aren't going into free agency thinking to themselves. We're going to find the answers to all that ails us in free agency by throwing around money. Uh, you know, we saw how quickly this team's fortune can turn around by that 2017 draft, uh, you know, where, which was Jeff Ireland's first full season with the franchise, by the yeah. way. So that's pretty noteworthy. Uh, you know, yeah, the Saints are absolutely going to have to hit on these draft picks, uh, you know, especially in those first three rounds. Why does everybody always say the Saints are over the cap? They can't do anything. And then Loomis does. When are they? When are the Saints going to have to pay the piper? And how does Loomis explain that to Gail Benson? <laughs> uh, that's a tough question. Um, 
the entire Benson family is definitely on board with the way Mickey Loomis has worked these finances. Otherwise, it wouldn't be happening. Right. Uh, I don't think that this team is to a point yet where they say, you know what, we're we're so far away from fielding a, ch- a legitimate playoff contender mm-hmm. that it's time to let these veterans walk and you know just take our lumps for a year or two while we rebuild through the draft uh you know, and just don't spend any money salary cap wise i don't think we're there yet uh, and i know a lot of fans might think that that's delusional thinking but we don't make those decisions uh you know Mick, mickey loomis gail benson they're the ones that are making those decisions and it's very clear that they don't feel like the time is now to blow things up yet if the Saints don't get a quarterback of their liking, is it time to say, okay, uh, we got the 29th pick. We'll we'll take that pick and we'll put a, a Marshawn Lattimore or an Alvin Kamara or a Michael Thomas and somebody. Is it time to do that and move up to get a quarterback? Sure, I think it's possible. I mean, we a lot of us already feel like Michael Thomas is not going to be back in a New Orleans Saints uniform. Uh, yeah, I do believe that some heavy trade talks are going to be just you know, thrown around involving Alvin Kamara's name. Uh, you have some other tradable ass- assets, Ryan, uh, you know, Ryan Ramchek. Uh, you, know, you hate to lose a guy like Marshawn Lattimore, but when you have a Debo on a rookie contract, Elante Taylor on a rookie contract, maybe they feel like that that's a guy that they could move. Uh, you know, so yeah, I, I fully expect some movement with that 29th pick. I would be shocked at the end of the day if we go into uh, the first night of the draft and the Saints are still sitting at number 29 overall. Does Taysom Hill knock on the door and say, hey, I, I still want to play quarterback. Can you play me a quarterback? You got them. I'm, I'm, I'm better than Andy. I don't, I don't know. I'm just grasping. I, I've never, you know, we've had Drew Brees forever in a day. And prior to that, we had terrible quarterbacks and then the Saints were terrible. So we're at that point. I mean, it's so stinking critical and I have no clue. As to None. what they're going to do, it's like, is Derek Carr going to take the Saints to the Super Bowl? Heck no, no, but he's the best one out there. That's a right sad now, testimony. That's sad. Yeah, it really is. Um, and, you know, for for those of us, and I was one of them, uh, you know, that was screaming for the Saints to draft an heir apparent, uh, you know, pretty much from 2018 on, uh, you know, by making the decision that they did. Uh, and not doing so you paid dearly for that and you know those wounds are a little bit easier to take if you have a championship out of it but they didn't get one uh yeah and i think that that's what makes this fan base even more salty as we sit here today is that you know you you hope that they could pull you know, some kind of magic out of their hat or wave a magic wand you know whatever they need to do uh yeah because you know, we we've seen it countless times in recent years you're not getting anywhere without a franchise quarterback and they don't they don't have even an answer to one like you pointed out oh man what you think of sean payton and and gronk with that little uh that little fun back and forth about coming coming to denver That, that was pretty cool very cool. Very cool. And those are two, those are such two entertaining personalities, uh, that, I could just sit there. I could have sat there and watched them go back and forth all day. I mean, forget forget the game. That was one of my heights of entertainment for the day. <laughs> That's good. Um, man, man, man. I, I don't know what the Saints are going to do, but I, I've never been more like 
I think I'm one of those guys that you put, you can put me in that category. I've kind of written off the season. I don't expect anything from this club. They're so far away from being an elite team. And it happened overnight. It, it sure did feel like it happened overnight. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to jump on that pessimistic bandwagon just yet. Cause like I said, you know, when you look at guys like Carr, Garoppolo, if you believe Daniel Smith or Geno Smith uh, or Daniel Jones or Geno Smith might be an answer. Those guys are going to be gone really quick at the start of free agency. And if the saints don't get any of them uh, or don't even pursue any of them heavily, I think at that point, you'll, you'll see another large faction of the fan base start to turn on this team. But again, if you were waiting for an answer to the quarterback position, one of those questions are going to be answered by you know, March 15th, 16th, 17th. So about a month from month or so from today, uh, you know, if they don't wind up with a car, Garoppolo, et cetera, uh, you know, cause we could cross that off of the list as potential options for this team. If, if we're a skiff, we'd all be sailing. And uh, <laughs> if the Saints had gotten Pat Mahomes like Sean yeah. Payton thought they were going to get. Oh, what a different story we would be telling here today. We might be getting ready for a parade, you know? It's entirely possible. Uh, but, I mean, on the flip side of that coin, how much longer would we have had, you know, to, uh, you know Breeze would have been in uniform certainly in 2017, maybe 2018, probably not after that. Yeah. Uh, you, you wouldn't have a Marshawn Lattimore on your team. You probably wouldn't have an Alvin Kamara. I don't uh, care. Give me the quarterback, Jeff, Bob true. Rose. Give me the true. quarterback. I can figure out the rest. <laughs> Give me the quarterback. We got to run. Uh, thank you so much. Enjoy Valentine's Day, and it's always a pleasure and a treat for us to visit with you, buddy. Thank you so much. Thank you, and it's my pleasure. We'll see you soon, my friend. Bob Rose, Saints News Network with the Black and Gold Report. Back to wrap things up after this final timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game is throwing you something far better than some cheap plastic beads this morning, girl. That's right. You could score a $500 Visa gift card. Just download the game mobile app, open the app, and click on the Mardi Gras Moolah tab, and you're on your way to winning a $500 Visa gift card. It's the game's Mardi Gras Moolah sweepstakes. Download the app, win money. It's just that simple, and it's all from the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back as we uh, finish up this uh, Valentine's Day edition. We've got three SEC games uh, on the slate tonight. Vanderbilt is at South Carolina. South Carolina with uh, two wins during the season. Vanderbilt, much improved, 6-6 six and six in the league. Missouri is at Auburn. That is a very, very good game. You talk about entertaining. Um, these teams are both 7-5 and five in the conference. Both teams are in the field of 68 if the brackets came out today. So this is a very pivotal game in the jungle. That place will be jumping 
like crazy. And of course, LSU is at Georgia. Uh, LSU bottom of the barrel in the league at one and eleven. Georgia is five and seven. LSU hadn't won on the road in the league all year long. Oh my gosh, this is this is a possibility, but um, but a slim one, but a possibility. If they could put the second half of that AM game and play two halves like that, they'll win. But the question is, can they? Everybody's chasing Alabama, who's 12 and 0, Texas AM. Nobody's given them any credit, but they're 10 and 2. And then Tennessee's four games back at eight and four. So it's a two-horse race. Nobody's going to catch Bama, but AM has been the surprise team in the conference. Special thanks to our guest today, Ali Cassell. The Pels win. Jake Johnson previewing LSU's baseball. What a season it might be. There's a lot of expectations and a lot of pressure, but they've got everything you need to win the whole darn thing. And then Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. Um, boy, I am. The more and more I think about it, the Saints team is a long, long, long way away from being a contender. A long, long way. Um, tomorrow, we will uh, take a look back on what we hope is an LSU basketball win. We'll look ahead to the Pels versus the Lakers. Michael Huguenin will join us as he does each and every hump day with Huguenin. James Mesh, thank you so much for all you do. If today is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with not once, not twice, not three, but four times, went to the Super Bowl and came up empty, the poor circle the wagon Buffalo Bills, but their quarterback, Jim Kelly, 63 years old today. Uh, battling cancer has come out on the other side. So God bless you. Uh, happy birthday to Jim Kelly. Um, hope everybody, look, it's still not too late. If you haven't gotten anything, go to the store, go get the flowers, get whatever you want. Get something to show your love for your significant other. And girls, do the same for the men. They would, we would all appreciate it. Um, thanks for listening in, whatever form or fashion you do. Thanks to our partners that make it possible each and every day. Until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and smile. Be happy. We'll talk to you tomorrow.